the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. Modern retail, certainly an issue out there. Modern banking, certainly an issue out there. Last several years has seen a lot of mind-bending innovation in the world of personal finance. And it's something that you may not see because you don't work in the industry, but I see it. The fintech industry has its own little name, financial tech, fintech, marrying tech with finance. It only takes a few seconds to check your bank account online now. You can have a robot manage all your money. These things didn't used to happen. The pace of innovation shows no signs letting up. Apple's much hyped, brand new, spanking titanium credit card started rolling out to its first customers last week. They're saying people with not so great credit are getting credit cards. There's one region in the world where you don't have to be a bank or you don't have to have a bank account per se. It's going to create a lot of stickiness um, for Apple. But you're seeing fintech innovate not just here, but in Latin America, in China, in India. A lot of venture capital. I'd say for fintech, the best of times and worst of times is summed up in London. So Latin America has not only one of the fastest growing markets for mobile, it's incredibly fertile ground for fintech. About 55% of adults in the region own a mobile phone with internet access. That's higher than the developing world average. Digital payments could soon reach tens of millions of unbanked adults in the region. That's why there's a new bank called Get this, New Bank, ticker, not ticker symbol, but it's spelled N-U Bank. It's a digital bank started by offering a credit card in Brazil through a partnership with MasterCard, and it's now one of the nation's largest credit card issuers. And they don't have a lot of banking in Brazil. So you can kind of see that there's some advantage in markets that aren't saturated with wealth but still have a lot of transactions to get played up. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about money investing and more. Direct-to-consumer brands are growing up, spending more money on traditional marketing channels. This week we saw Nike introduce a plan, a subscription plan, that could run up to 600 bucks a year, but you get 10 sets of shoes. 
So as little as $240 a year, as much as 600 Amazon zeroing in on the alcohol industry. <laughs> what won't Amazon sell? Beer. It could be like a new game show on ABC next summer. What won't Amazon sell? Will you sell cigarettes to children who are two years old, Amazon? They'll look at it. For the record, I got an email from Amazon yesterday asking me if I want to use their pill pack. Does that mean I'm like AARP age? And hey like man, I'm not being I'm hit 91 up. years old. Got that? I deserve a little respect from <laughs> you, my buddy. I always thought 92-year-olds needed pill pack. Not me. So I think Amazon knows my age because it's in one of the forms that I filled out. And I use an Amazon credit card. And they probably see that I've gone to CVS once or twice to pick up some pills. Kind of creepy, but true. So Amazon's zeroing in on an alcohol license. They've applied for a liquor license in San Francisco. But how far Amazon's alcohol ambitions aren't clear yet. The company offered an online wine marketplace for select cities called Amazon Wine. It was shut down to keep Whole Foods' liquor program in the regulatory clear. Now with Whole Foods in the mix, the company's foregoing a marketplace and is instead establishing a local retail presence one city at a time. If Apple, I'm sorry, if Amazon ramps up its alcohol business, it would be playing in a space currently dominated by delivery startups like Drizzly. Less than 2% of alcohol is sold online. That's worthy of note. Um, And it's just another way for them to slowly get your dollars. If I go to a convenience store later today that has alcohol and, like, maybe laundry and maybe some chewing gum and stuff like that, Gatorades and sodas, there's a guy delivering alcohol pretty much so every day. So I get it. Amazon's potentially opening up its own bricks-and-mortar liquor store. Uh, Probably not that. Right? We don't really expect them to be a wine tasting location i love scotch i love scotch scotch is got scotch here it goes down down into my belly amazon offers some form of alcohol delivery to a little less than three dozen u.s cities the company has been either obtaining liquor licenses in select areas um to try to fit into their strategy the company has hired lobbyists to flood capitol hill to advocate for the company's various positions ranging from local sales taxes to corporate tax reform to labor laws. So, big business. But we don't quite know what they're going to get into. The whole current alcohol kit and caboodle, if you add it all up, the wholesale industry, $125 billion. Now, I know people who go to Costco just to get the booze. I know you're saying, really? I want to party with your friends. But when you can get, and I saw people, two people salivating about this about a week ago. Um, they didn't get Johnny Walker Black, but it was mispriced. It looks like it was mispriced. They got one of those gallon things for like $12, and it was supposed to be like $90. And you would have thought they, they bought out the whole Costco, turned around and sold it, and became millionaires or something. They were so giddy. 
I know you're saying, you know, people who drink a lot of Johnny Walker Black. I do. I do. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Senators ask Snap, who's getting ready to sell glasses again, spectacles as they call them, hardware. A senator has asked them to stop what's called Snap Streaks. Where as long as you go every day and post a picture, it, it streaks together all your pictures. And it's kind of a deceptive way of getting you to go there every day. And you kind of get this badge of a lot of pictures. Do you think social media is addictive? And do you think it's up to Congress to tell Snap not to do that? I kind of wish we lived in a world where we didn't have to tell Snap not to do that. But I also kind of wish we didn't have to tell people don't be addicted to social media. So markets moved higher today on the announcement that trade tariffs have less bite than we thought. A lot of them aren't going to go into effect until December 15th after the holiday season's essentially over for shipping stuff to the U.S. Um, big winners today are Apple and Best Buy, Nike. A lot of retailers like Macy's. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show. Don't forget, big event coming up. This Friday on Income and Retirement at the Money Show in San Francisco. It's free, but you have to sign up at KDOW.biz. I'm Rob Black. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. The Money Show is in San Francisco, August 15th through the 17th. You can sign up by going to our website, kdow.biz. It's free. There's a ton of speakers. There's a schedule going on. There's events. There's exhibits if you like to walk from exhibition to exhibition and see what people are offering. There's everything there. There's technical trading. There's marijuana stocks. There's the economy. There's gold. There's growth stocks. There's small caps, micro caps. There's a lot going on. Joining us now to talk a little bit about his role in The Money Show coming up August 15th through 17th in San Francisco is Gary Schilling, Ph.D., someone I've been reading for a very long time through Forbes, I believe, has been most of it, although I want to say a little bit of Bloomberg has been sprinkled in as well. How are you, Mr. Schilling? Okay, I'm great. How's everything with you? It's good. It's good. The uh, market's doing the yo-yo thing right now where tariffs she loves me she loves me not it kind of goes up she kind of goes down on based on that um tell us a little bit more about who you are gary before we start getting into the, the economy and other insights well uh we're economic uh, forecasters uh, uh investment strategists we also manage portfolios we <clears throat> we eat our own cooking uh we start with the economic political financial spheres develop a forecast and then see what investment themes logically drop out from that and uh, and uh, I, I, it's it's uh, what they call top down approach in other words we're we're looking from the from the uh, from the aggregate down uh, we're not stock pickers uh, we use exchange traded funds in our investments uh, principally uh, but we're we're very much interested in major themes like you know what's happening with the trade wars uh, with china uh, what the fed is doing uh, our consumers are doing. Obviously, you got to worry about some of the political aspects going on in Hong Kong, the Middle East, etc. But that's that's the general approach. Um, one thing that I would point out is that we we have been uh, bulls on long Treasury bonds 
since 1981. Back then, I wrote, we're entering the bond rally of a lifetime. The yield on the 30-year Treasury was 14.6%. It's now it's now 2.1%. And the reason that I've always bought Treasuries for myself and our clients is not for the yield. I couldn't care less what it is. Uh, as long as it's going down, it's depreciation. It's the same reason most people buy stocks. And interesting, since the early 80s, uh, long-term treasuries have outperformed the S&P by six times, six times. Most people aren't aware of that, but it's been a fabulous investment, and I, I think it still is, is uh, interesting. Uh, we're looking for uh, yields on 30-year bonds uh, going to 2%, and the 10-year, which is now uh, at uh, 1.6% going to 1%. So I think there's still further capital appreciation in uh, what I've called the bond rally of a lifetime. Interesting to note that um, the stock market gets all the sexy kind of news. The bond market, not so much. Is the bond market being driven by the economy? And if so, where does the economy take us at this point in time? Yeah, I, I think that we're uh, in or, or close to a recession. You look okay. what's happening, the, the previous Fed tightening, uh, the disruptions caused by the trade wars, uh, things like the inverted yield curve. Uh, the uh, You look at the Fed, uh, Cleveland Fed and New York Fed, uh, they're, they're, uh, they have gauges of inflation, of, of, I'm sorry, of recession. They're both are at levels now that they've been in previous recessions. There's a lot of evidence of that, and that is a very uh, advantageous situation for, for treasuries because they are a safe haven. And in recessions, credit demand elsewhere drives up, uh, so there's less, there's less uh, competition. Also, uh, there is a, the, safe ha- the safe haven effect. Interesting enough, low as interest rates are in the U.S. now, they're higher than almost any other developed country, and there's a huge advantage. I mean, you look at Switzerland, for example, virtually all of their, uh, all of their government uh, sovereign issues are negative yield. So it's a huge advantage for foreigners for being uh, in, in treasuries. Uh, so I think it's a combination of things. But what's interesting is that we've had this rally in treasuries going on for uh, about a year, a strong rally, the most recent one. And that is telling us, I think, that we're looking at low inflation, possibly deflation, and, and recession. Up until recently, stocks were telling you the opposite. They said that everything is clear sailing. Uh, and and the economy was it was in good shape. But one thing I would point out is that stock investors uh, have been imbued, trained. I use that word trained deliberately uh, to watch only the Fed because the Fed I think was responsible for propelling stocks uh, from their low in March of 2009 uh, to their high last year. And and so people only look at the Fed. And you have this weird situation where weakness in the economy is has been greeted with rallies in stocks because the assumption is the Fed is going to, to ease, ease credit. Well, they are starting to, but people are talking about what, what the Fed is doing, but not why the Fed is doing it. The Fed is easing because they obviously see that the economy is weakening and they're concerned about having overdone it and, uh, as usual, precipitate a recession. All very, very good stuff. You're going to be speaking at the Money Show coming up this week. You've got a couple of events that people can find out by going to kdow.biz, getting on the Money Show website, and, and going down that road. Anything else that you want to talk about? We've got about a minute or two left. Anything that you think we, we need to know, sir? 
Well, I th- yeah, I, th- I think that uh, that the the China trade war is 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 very important, and I think the U.S. is going to win because we are the buyer, uh, and China's the seller. And when you got plenty of goods and services in the, in, in the world, it's the buyer that wins. But uh, and and they're pressured to settle this within the next. I would maybe the next six months or so because Trump faces a twenty twenty election and. China, the economy is weakening, and more and more production is moving out of China to get out of the way of the trade war to Vietnam, India, Bangladesh, etc. But beyond that, there is a struggle that I think Trump recognizes between the U.S. and China. China wants to be number one in the world. They need Western technology to make their economy grow. Uh, They've got a declining labor force because of the one-child-for-couple policy, so they need productivity and and uh, and and Western technology, and I think that's where the struggle is going to be, well beyond the the trade war. Thanks very much for joining us. I super appreciate it, and I'll see you at the Money Show this week. Thanks very much. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. We were just talking the economy with a guy who's been in the business a long time, and he's seen a little bit of everything. Gary Schilling, he will be at the Money Show this week. Um, he's an economic consultant. He's an investment advisor. He's a longtime columnist for Forbes. Uh, I get what he does. I like what he does. He's authored eight books, uh, which is pretty impressive. If you play in the industry that I play in, uh, investing, getting people to retirement, insurance, um, gold, the economy, you got to follow someone like a Gary Schilling. He, in, in baseball cards, he would be a collector. Uh, a collectible item, so to speak. Uh, but we don't have a lot of economists and columnists from financial matters on baseball cards in the doorway. Anyway, you can find out more by going to kdow.biz. That's kdow.biz. And check out The Money Show coming this week to the Hilton in San Francisco, August 15th through the 17th. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. $500,000 worth of watches, jewelry, and electronics were stolen from Alex Rodriguez's SUV outside of Oracle Park. He was there broadcasting a game for Major League Baseball. He had $500,000 worth of personal items in his in a rental car. What's the biggest amount of stuff you've ever lost? I would have to stop and think about it in my world, and I'm guessing it might have been in college, where it feels like dorm rooms got robbed all the time. I know you're saying you went to a tough college. No, it just feels like that's what people do when they're 18-year-old boys. So I know that we had a guy on the dorm floor who would buy, like, Costco booze and would always rate it and water it down. We'd put 80% water in and we'd take 80% gin or vodka out, so to speak. So he lost a lot. But I'm trying to think of the biggest theft. I had an old cell phone stolen once. Broke my car window, which it stank because it was a crap phone that was, like, worth a dollar. Window it window was worth more than the phone, you know? I can't think of anything that great that I've ever had stolen. But this brings the question of, you know how I keep talking about how you earn more, you save more, you invest more? 
500000 just sounds stupid. A camera, a laptop, jewelry. Jewelry. Uh, I go to the church of men wearing less jewelry versus the church of men wearing lots of jewelry. I, I don't get it. But a uh, San Francisco police spokesperson said items valuing up to 500000 including a camera, a laptop, a bag, and miscellaneous jewelry were stolen. Smashed in the black Nissan Sport Utility Vehicle between 9 p.m. and 11 p.m. Some of them were of personal nature and sentimental value. Why would you leave them in a rental car outside of a ballpark? I don't know. That to me, I know, right? So I, that does come into like a financial thing, right? We, we talk about identity theft, but there's also physical theft. And... I, I guess this is where I'm a little bit on the crazy side. That I believe that if someone wants to get into your house, they're going to get into your house. I do believe in security, but I do believe that, you know, you almost want to leave your car open in San Francisco instead of having someone break a window to find there's nothing of value in your glove compartment. So... I believe in looking at numbers. I believe in scrutinizing expenses. I believe at looking through contracts. Most people don't. I've got a good friend who's in the financial media industry, and his travel budget's out of control. He doesn't necessarily scrutinize expenses. And I think if any of us grew up knowing an accountant, you can learn some very, very, very valuable lessons. You learn what debit is. You learn what credit is. You learn about tracking numbers. Do you remember balancing a checkbook? I bet very few people balance a checkbook in this day and age. Because very few people are writing lots of checks, right? So, But you should track your numbers. And that's one of the things that New Focus Financial does really well is that, and I was a little shocked to learn this, they've got a background. They've got a something called e-money. That's just this amazingly robust tool. That follows your budget, follows your expenses, follows your income, follows your investments. Um, so it tracks your numbers, so to speak. Tracking your finances is much easier thanks to technology. I remember balancing the checkbook on the back of said checkbook. <laughs> um, and, and it was ridiculous. And then they came up with a, like the extra copies behind a check. So when you wrote it, you actually retained a copy of what you wrote just in case you didn't log it. No number's too small. It's a phrase that pays in my world. Small leaks sink great ships. It's absolutely true. Um, I cut cable, but it took me a long time to cut down the package, then cut down to one room, two from two rooms to one room, then cut down that last room. It took me a little bit too long, and it was leaking money because I was running both Google TV YouTube TV side-by-side with Comcast TV. Or how about a gem expense that you never go and you're not working out and it's just that that little leak in your budget is just a killer. Another thing that most people don't do that they should do is um, go through your budget and figure out, like, do, do people get magazine subscriptions anymore? The magazine that I used to get that I, I canceled recently was called Jugs Magazine. 
And uh, it was all about pottery in the Byzantine Empire. It's all about jugs. Because there's a play on humor there that you're probably missing, which is A-OK with me. Um, but that was expensive. That was 20 bucks a year. And, you know, just sat on my coffee table more often than not. So you gotta, you gotta look at your, your things like that. $20 here, $20 there. It adds up. You want to read the fine print of anything you ever sign. It's insane to do, but someone does it and you quickly learn, like you're giving Facebook the like, the, the, the permission to use your likeness. And then you, you learn more and more that we're moving to a facial recognition world and like, wait, 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 what are they using my, my face for? I didn't read that. So read the fine print. Targeting contracts can be super confusing and intimidating. Um, if you can't read like an S filing or Q filing or K filing in the world of finance, you shouldn't own stocks. If you own stocks and you're not reading the annual report, you, I think you're doing something wrong. So... A lot of people don't do simple things to stop the bleed out of money from their accounts. Like I was saying, subscriptions. A lot of people don't read the fine print. Um, and you lose out on offers or you get nickel to dime, so to speak. I can ask many people today and you will be disappointed by how many people have an answer to my question. Like, do you know how much money you made last month versus how much you spent? And most people don't have a clue. And I get it. It's getting more and more complicated. You have two or three credit cards that come in at different times. Um, your paychecks are, you know, uh, twice a month. I get it. I get that it goes straight into your bank account. You no longer have that march down to the bank with your check and going up to the teller and saying, well, hello there, fine teller. Uh, you don't have that anymore, right? You want to work with um, skilled professionals also. So... You want to have a better understanding of what's going on in your world. For instance, I may sign a contract with Verizon again. Um, you know, limited data, unlimited data, 4G, 5G. Those are the things that are playing into my contract decisions right now. <clears throat> do I want to wait for 5G to see what deals come out? Or do I want to lock into 4G prices knowing that they may keep me on the 4G platform? Eh. Or they make, make me upgrade later with all those upgrade fees, which those drive you crazy. So work with skilled professionals. I have an accountant do my, my accounting. I have a mortgage guy do my mortgages. Uh, I don't pretend to do it myself. When it comes time to sell my home, I want to have a realtor who can do it. I know you're saying, but you can save $60,000 by doing it yourself, comic book man. I'm like, I, I don't really want to save $60,000 by doing it myself. I want to get a transaction that I feel is legally binding, and if for some reason it's not, I can point a finger to someone. I want to get the best agent who knows 100 other agents who want to get into a property. I don't want it to be the, time, the person's first rodeo, so to speak, right? I don't know if you're with me or against me on that one, but realtors, if they have a network of other realtors, those are potential buyers of your said property that you're trying to sell. Um, and I think that's where realtors make their money. So to, so on, in my world, 
800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Americans spend a ton of money on dining out. It's probably one of the areas in my budget that I wish I could rein in. Whether it be uh, on vacations or not. So, um, how much do we spend a year on dining out? It's a lot of money. In typical, in California, the average family spends $3,295 per year on eating out. Seems a little low. Average menu price in Colorado is $11.03. It's $10.26 in Colorado. In Connecticut, $10.92. So you kind of see everything's right around that area, but like, for instance, the South, they eat out a lot less because there's uh, economically, they don't make as much money as the coast do. Um, The coast of the United States is an area where I feel blessed that I was raised, but look at your budget on eating out. It's expensive, but eating in can be expensive, too, if you have a lot of food waste, which another thing I wish I could cut back on. Number of times I eat out and how much food gets thrown away. That drives me insane, especially when it's fruit and you know how much water goes into growing fruit. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. Welcome back in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Don't be shy. Markets are doing quite well today on the announcement of delayed tariffs on some retail goods. Electronics, computers, game stations, video game stations, things like that. But also, um, Apple. Apple basically got a wink-wink, nudge-nudge, poke-poke. You guys can sell phones and no tariffs until at least mid-December, which is obviously a crucial time for back-to-school in the holidays. Let's go to our calls right now. Patrick O'Hare, Mr. O'Hare from Briefing.com. How are you, sir? Hey, Rob. I'm doing okay. Good to be back with you. Got a little different time slot for you, a little quicker time frame. Uh, what do you think of the she loves me, she loves me not tariffs are back off until December kind of delay? What do you take of this today? Well, uh, there's a lot of things that go through your head here as a market analyst when you see something like this. I suppose, um, you know, I was on a train commuting to work at the time when the headline came in, and I'm like, okay, well, that's good news for the market initially. Um, and, and we saw that in the major indices. They all had a knee-jerk rally on, on the headline. Uh, you know, and then the follow-up thought, though, was, you know, this, this issue isn't going away. It's, you know, it's being deferred in, in many respects. Um, and it just makes you wonder, you know, uh, how long, well, we're going to be is beholden to this kind of yo-yo policy, you know, for as long as it, it takes, obviously. But, you know, the market um, can't ever really trade with with really strong conviction when it knows uh, a tweet, a headline, what have you, on one of these major issues can, can, can come at any moment here. And, and there's just not a lot of certainty surrounding this issue. And I think that while today's a good day so far based on this headline, you know, it still doesn't remove it 
you know, any, you know, great deal of that uncertainty that exists for businesses, you know, trying to do business in China, trying to import items from China and export items to China and the like. So, um, so probably all in all uh, contributes to this notion that you might have a, a range-bound but somewhat volatile market here, uh, certainly as it relates to the trade matter. Pretty interesting times when that seems to move the market for the better part. It's starting to feel like a couple of years now. Um, but with that being said, we're also talking potential recession. I had Gary Schilling on earlier in the show, and he said, we're basically in a recession. We're going to be in a recession. Um, does your work cover recessions at all? And, and do you worry about recessions? Or what are your thoughts on the, the pending doom, so to speak? Well, only in so much as you know, as we looked at you know past periods uh, going back to 1980 when the yield curve inverted, and and uh, you know on average, you know when you from that first inversion, uh, you typically saw a recession occur uh, approximately 16 months after that uh, first inversion date, right? So, um, you know we're a few months into it now since the inverted uh, curve, but um, but. You know, as we saw uh, in the you know the recent employment report, uh, recent retail sales data, um, you know the consumer is still hanging in there pretty good, and um, and while growth uh, is slowed somewhat. Um, you know, to say we're in a recession, I, you know, I don't. You know, I don't see that uh, in in the data here, um, and I suppose that the concern for the market, though, is that um, with the fixation on the flattening and the inverted yield curve, you know, the market kind of talks itself into recession, and you see, um, you know, various sectors react according to that uh, to that view uh, when the data has yet to confirm it. So. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, how how long uh, this expansion can can obviously last. It's the longest on record right now, but uh, but as far as the data itself is concerned, there isn't uh, recession in that data. Sounds good. Is there anything else that you're working on that we should be aware of? We've got about two minutes left in the segment. Right. Well, you know, just personally just back from vacation, so getting my feet wet here again for the most part, and, you know, going to be kind of taking stock of what's going on, uh, not just as it relates to trade, but obviously what's going on in Hong Kong. And, uh, you know, if you get some uh, violent suppression of the protest movement there, uh, you know, that adds a whole new uh, factor to, to the market landscape here that, you know, isn't being fully accounted for yet. So a lot to take in right now, but obviously today is, is looking like a reasonably good day based off of the, uh, the tariff headline that we saw break earlier. <laughs> Sounds good. What do you think about you take a vacation last week and on Monday the VIX spikes enormously? Your your vacation time and the market started going a little crazy on you. And they say that anytime the Dow and the S P drop three percent, it'll eventually drop ten percent ninety six percent of the time. And six months later it'll be up ten percent ninety six percent of the time. Any thoughts on the volatility picking up while you're on vacation? I, I mean, I think it just goes to show that you can't time this market, right? Uh, I think the yep. Dow was down something like 700 points or something on the first day of vacation, and then you know by the uh, by the middle of the week, I think it had made it all up, if I remember correctly. But you know, this headline we saw today is another case in point. You might have been short coming into the morning, and then you get that come out uh, that headline, and lo and behold, uh, you know you're covering uh, in a big way uh, as the market comes screaming back. So, have a long-term, patient-minded approach, and stay the course. 
Sounds good. Thanks for joining me, and thanks for coming on a little later than you typically do. It's Patrick O'Hare with Briefing.com. You can find him online at Briefing.com. Typically on Tuesdays, he's with us at the 7.33 time. Today, we pulled him in at 7.51 to make room for another guest, and we super wildly appreciate that. It's Patrick O'Hare with Briefing.com. They're a great source, a reliable source, a trusted source of international as well as domestic markets, something I've been using for 20-plus years. Pretty crazy. Speaking of crazy, Domino's has embraced a new delivery form. What do you think it is? Is it a drone? No. Is it, is it a tube that we can put it in and it flies straight to you like Elon Musk's tubes? No. Is it a car that gets 100 miles a gallon? No. They're, they're using e-bikes in cities like New York and Atlanta to deliver pizzas. Isn't that kind of refreshing to go backwards? I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.